Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You've reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Matt. And this is Liz. On this week's show, we're talking about Nick Foles being back in our lives. Tight end continues to be a nightmare with Hooper and Kittle out, but we got some dart throws for you. It's actually finally for real stash season, and we're ranking the backup running backs you need to pick up. Plus, we look at a glut of wide receiver threes and decide who has the ceiling, who has the floor, and why they're in that mess in the first place. And then we go through every game on the Week 11 slate and give you one thing, sometimes more than one, that you need to know. In a Week 11 preview. So go ahead and listen away. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. We've got Matt Harmon and producer Brett. That other guy, he's not here today. I don't know why. He's working on the Yahoo Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Ooh, it's Dalton Daldon and Andy Barron. See, yeah, you know the cast if you're into fantasy basketball at all. And you should be, given that cast. Then subscribe to that podcast. Yeah, and we're goo. Producing fire. <laughs> Beautiful. The, Barry, the new Barry White of the office. <laughs> I think I, I had him a little shook when I said that. But anyway, there's news, guys. This this is breaking. There's a Super Bowl 52 rematch this weekend, and it's pretty exciting. The hero of that game is starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars for the first time since his week one injury. It's Big Thick Nick, and he is back in Jacksonville. Is that the—I I don't know if that's the typical I changed, nickname. I, I, I changed the word in the middle. Uh. <laughs> Are you making an accusation about what he's been doing during his off time? Getting a little, getting a little fatter. Hey, we're all we we're all getting ready. Oh, yeah. We've all season. talked yeah. about what happens you know. after Halloween through the end of the year. Amen. Fat season. So let's talk about this because there is a change. Do you anticipate it, Matthew, having any effect on, or if you do or you don't, do you anticipate it having any effect on Jacksonville's offense? And if so, what? could you potentially see happening? I got thoughts too, but I'll let you go first because I'm so generous. Awesome. Uh, Well, I think that part of the appeal of Gardner Minshew was not just the Gardner Minshew experience and who he was and that he played really well, but also I think his play brought out a reminder that this cast is actually pretty good in Jacksonville. DJ Chark obviously is a is a good player. Um, Chris Conley, your boy, Liz, one of your actual boys, not like a Jordan Howard creation thing. Um, one of your guys has actually you know played pretty well. Um, I think he's been a valuable free agent pickup. D.D. Westbrook's a solid slot receiver when he's catching the ball. Um, and Fournette is having a workhorse year. And I think that my expectations for Foles now are much better coming off this injury than they were coming into the year because I know that this offense is a lot better than I expected it to be. So I'm interested to see how the target distribution happens here Mm -hmm. because we know that obviously DJ Chark was Gardner Minshew's guy. Part of the reason that Chris Conley was actually my guy um, was because of the offseason reports of the chemistry between Nick Foles and Chris Conley. And he also, in addition to Chark, has a really awesome athletic profile and great speed. He's only had a 15% target share with Gardner Minshew under center, though. So I don't know. And then both Chark and Didi have had 22 and 21% respectively. So I'm not sure how that shakes out. You know, I don't know if this is take lock, so I'll admit that it might be. But this week, Conley is likely to be covered by Marvell Tell, mm. a rookie, <laughs> out of USC. <laughs> Boom. Marvell Tell, that's how you say it? 
I mean, Marvell tell scouting <laughs> report in a big spot. Let's go. <laughs> so I, I, I would just imagine that if this is Foles' real first time under center, not technically his first time, but the first time in a long time, and hopefully the whole game, he might look for familiarity and look for an exploitable matchup. And Connolly offers both of those things. Uh, I guess the other real question is can Foles continue to lift this offense at least as well as Gardner Minshew did? so that Leonard Fournette's ability here isn't negatively affected. Obviously, the problem with Fournette is not the volume or the yards necessarily, but the fact that he's only had one touchdown all year. And the Colts, they've only allowed um, one score to opposing running backs over the last four weeks, and that was Royce Freeman back in Week 8. Sure. I mean, I think Foles... The thing about Nick Foles is that it's all about what's going on around him, and it's about the ecosystem. So if, like I said earlier, that the offense has become much better than I expected it to be, then I think Foles can therefore thrive in that situation. We also can't discount his familiarity with the system, all that type of stuff. And yeah, like, yeah, that's a great it's, point. It's not, yeah. it's not for nothing. I, I don't know how much it's worth, but it's not worth nothing that the last time we saw Foles in the regular season as a Jacksonville Jaguar, he went 5 for 8, 75 yards and a touchdown right down the field. Um, if you combine the performance of him and Gardner Minshew in that week one performance against the Kansas City Chiefs, who we know by now are a much better pass defense and they are a run defense so overall I'm not, yeah I'm, I'm excited about Foles in this offense I think it it kind of sucks for Minshew who I do expect to have like a future in the league and who was playing really well but at the same time like it's good that Nick Foles gets his chance uh this is a this is a good situation overall I don't think this is a St. Louis Rams uh, type of situation with Nick Foles where he was a mess because the ecosystem was a mess. It's not as good as Philadelphia where he left, but it's somewhere in between. Let's talk about tight ends because it continues to be a horror. Oh, um, gross. So my thank you next Will Disley replacement Jacob Hollister had himself a great day on Monday night, a great night, I guess I should say, uh, on Monday. But he's on by this week, so I don't really want to talk about him. Austin Hooper is out for a month, so, yeah. you know, I, I don't really want to mess with Luke Stalker, I'm going to be honest. Oh, really? Are you mm -hmm. sure? Do you? No. no okay. No. Kittle's also, out a second straight week. Yep. So and we're banged here. So, I mean, we are banged, except Ross Duelli does yeah. have Arizona this week. This is, by the way, the backup to George Kittle, who was third in team targets with seven looks on Monday night in that overtime loss to the Seahawks that the 49ers had. Um, he's super available. Also, Emmanuel Sanders may not really play in this one. And if he does, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just a decoy. Yeah. He was able to, he went through walkthroughs today. We're recording on Thursday. And Kyle Shanahan did say that Sanders didn't need to practice in order to play, which sounds to me like they're going to put him out on the field because they know they have to put bodies out on the field. But I don't, I don't think Kendrick Bourne is going to do it for you every week. No. That, that obviously opens things up for Debo Samuel, who's a player that you and I have been high on at various points throughout the season and throughout the offseason. But at the tight end position, Dwelly and Breed is out for this one, too. So Dwelly, I do think, especially given the matchup against Arizona, they're averaging a touchdown a week to the tight end position. You could do a lot worse. You could definitely do worse. He's available um, in 95% of leagues, by the way. I would say, too, watching that game on Monday night, it felt like as the game went on, mm -hmm. after Sanders was out, Dwelly became more of a focus of Jimmy Garoppolo because he realized, like, I can't rely on any of these other guys. Even even Debo Samuel, who had a really good game Monday night, also he had a couple drops. Pettis is just like, get this guy, like, put him out the pasture. Seems I like, don't know. like, so frail and, like, lacking in physicality. And also, the success of his usage relies so much on timing. Yeah, and he, I don't, it's, a, it's one of those situations that, like, maybe we just, I could see the Dante Pettis thing going in a couple different directions. Like, we just never hear from Dante Pettis again, or, like, he comes back next year, because we know that talent is there. Yeah, but like, the, the coaching staff is out on him, and that's like... That's usually a bad sign. That's a sign. little and I mean, a stinky thing. Kyle, I was going to say, Kyle Shanahan, he, Kyle Shanahan even said after the game, Dante Pettis is going to keep losing opportunities if he keeps doing nothing with his opportunities yeah. right now. So, I don't know. He, he, they're a complete mess in the wide receiver core if Sanders isn't there, and Debo doesn't continue to step up, though I really like him this week. So, I like this call. I mean, it's... Would you rather play your guy Dwelly or Noah Fant this week? I don't think Noah Fant scores, but I do think I think Dwelly will see less opportunities and probably have uh, fewer yards. But he has because of the matchup, higher touchdown upside. 
uh, I think Fant, though, is going to have the higher floor because he's just going to have more opportunity. I think Fant does score. Against um, Minnesota? Against Minnesota. They're yeah. the only team in the NFL to not have allowed a tight end touchdown this year. But so they, you regress to the mean? You regress to the mean because they've also allowed the third most catches. So, like, mm-hmm. they're a team that you can pick on with the tight end. They just happen to have not allowed a touchdown this year. And I think Fant, coming off his obvious best game of the season, a little inflated by big plays, whatever, they're coming off a bye, too. Perhaps this is a chance with him uh, to continue to get more playing time. He's playing, like, over 80% of the snaps right now, so... Also another Emmanuel Sanders-affected piece. Yeah, I mean, this right? is like three degrees of Manny Sanders. Yeah. Uh, did you know, Matt, that after he drew a season-high eight targets in Week 8 and went off for 115 yards and a score in Week 9, he became uh, the Broncos' most productive single-season tight end since 2015? Wow. That is not it's not a, a high, great stat. Not a high bar to clear. <laughs> I mean, it's a great stat, but it's not a great because stat. Because <laughs> Fant has pretty much on balance been terrible this mm-hmm. year. And, like, I mean, I guess he's better than the the Hewermans and the Butts and all these other guys that they were rolling out there after the great Tony Scheffler took his uh, AJ exits. Derby? No, I forgot. How could I forget? And Julius the, Thomas had a nice run. Oh, well, yes. That's the – yeah, right. That's the guy. That's the guy, Julius Thomas. For what it's worth, I have uh, Fant projected for five – receptions and 63 yards but no touchdown i have not done a fearless forecast on ross dwelly but i can how about three catches for 39 and a touch (laughs) could be worse it could be worse (laughs) i love jared cook this week oh go for it have i have a different saint that i'm interested in i mean it's all about it's jared cook season he had a lot of volume coming off uh the bye week didn't turn into production against atlanta but i think it's gonna happen against the bucks this week okay plus like again you took you're taking dwelly over cook i mean Probably not. But. Yeah, I mean, we're getting to like, we're t- Cook's like tight end seven. And it's like, I'm excited. You know what I mean? This I, I is just where don't we're think at. that that's, you know, that much of a. I'll have a, I have a question for you, though. Would you rather have, looking at these Yahoo consensus ranks, would you rather have Jared Cook or Greg Olson coming off that's of a, good a crazy outing? Um, I have yeah. something out for you, Olson, to follow up with something you said on last week's pod, by the way, while you're thinking. There you go. I'm filling the time for you. Anytime you want to answer, go. I was stopping now because you're just trying to catch all your words. I was bracing myself for something a little bit more disgusting than that. but Like a G or G-Reg reference? No, just like some tight end that I've never oh. heard of that plays for the Dolphins or whatever. I don't know. Anyways, I went on Chris Harris's podcast Monday morning. We had a bit of a dif- difference of opinion about one Greg Olson. Uh, he thought it was just like garbage time production, no big deals. They were trying to come back. I was like, I thought it was interesting that we finally saw a connection between Greg Olson and Kyle Allen. We haven't seen that since week three when during his first start against those Arizona Cardinals that give up all the production to the tight ends. I don't know. My, I had notes on it. I don't have my exact notes in front of me. But, you know, nevertheless, like he was catching sub 58% of his passes in the, all those games up until last week against the Packers. Also, I think, I don't know if this is the point you're going to make, but last week's podcast I noted that Olsen definitely – even in that game against the Packers, still shows a lot of frustration when Kyle Allen misses him. I don't think they have a very good rapport with each other. They play the Falcons this week, but I don't know. Go go ahead. So according to a quote that Olsen gave the Charlotte Observer after that game against Green Bay, Olsen praised Kyle Allen, despite the loss, saying that Allen's performance, particularly in the fourth quarter, was as impressive a quarterback display as he had ever seen. There you go. So I don't know if it's because he finally got fed. I don't know if the cold just did something to his innards. But he seems uh, to be turning the corner or at least pretending to because we all know that chess and strategy is a huge part of talking to the media for these guys as well. True. That is true. Um, but to answer your question, I think I would prefer Jared Cook this week. Okay. Well, he is ranked one spot ahead, according to Yahoo Consensus. Then I'm right in line with the consensus. What about that gross tight end, Mike Gusecki? Would you rather have him or Kyle Rudolph, who has inexplicably in Adam Thielen's absence oh, scored? Kyle Rudolph's like the best tight end in the NFL <laughs> now at this point. All the other ones that are out of here. I mean, you, you look, you got Kyle Rudolph. That's a set it and forget it at this point. I will say. Kyle Rudolph versus Denver, by the way. Mike Gusecki versus Buffalo. No, oh, don't. You tried the Gasecki thing and it didn't work. It sure did. Don't man. do it again. It's not just <laughs> I'm talking to me. I'm talking to the people. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to Brett. I'm talking to Ragu. He's not even here. We all tried the Gasecki thing last week. It didn't work. Let's not go back to it. Some of us are stubborn. Sometimes you got to know when to let some shit go. Yeah. Well, everything in its own time. 
I have him 12 and I have Rudolph 16. Um, let's move along. So I you think. have Gasek, the, the great Gasecki over Kyle Rudolph. I do. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, hey, happens. Uh, what about O.J. Howard? You buying in at all? No. Because, because against New Orleans? Against New Orleans, sure. But again, remember, this is, this is not a fun landscape that we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. And it's also worth noting that it wasn't just necessarily – Oh, you know, we this was just the the damn Cardinals or whatever the matchup because there was also an opportunity bump after going for seventy five targets. Yeah, third and team targets. There was also he played ninety nine percent of the team snaps after seeing seventy five the game prior, the last game we saw him. So I don't know. I think it's worth a shot to if if I mean all of these guys are worth a shot. That's not necessarily the question. I just I think that if you're looking at this landscape, I think you can. If you if you don't feel comfortable with any of these other options, I think you can roll O.J. Howard out with a modicum of confidence and not just like, oh, it's just the Cardinals cast him back into the wire. Like, I would play O.J. Howard over Dwelly. I would play O.J. Howard over maybe Greg Olson. No, that doesn't seem right, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go back to Gasecki over going back to to Howard. That's there. How about that? So, Matt, you have been preaching stash season since... <laughs> like the preseason. Yep. And some people thought maybe that was a little premature regardless. Some people. Hard to say who. Now it is cuffing season. Stat- stashing season has melded into cuffing season. And there are some running backs, some who are surging because they got a slow start, maybe because of holdouts, and some who are... Maybe we're worried about the wear and tear on their tires because they're touching the ball like 30 damn times a game. So let's go. I've gone through and sorted by fantasy points per game since some of these guys have missed a little time here and there. Obviously, the player who continues to produce at an elite level regardless is Christian McCaffrey. He's touched the ball at least 25 times in four of his last five games. His backup, as we have previously discussed, is Reggie Bonifon. He's a a converted quarterback with some receiving chops. He was a wide receiver as well. He's owned in just 2% of leagues. It's a pretty solid rest of the season schedule. They get Atlanta twice and Washington with New Orleans in between. Obviously, New Orleans is a tough matchup. So, are you prioritizing Bonifon here, or are you just going to trust that CMC stays healthy? Well, I would say if we're ranking these backup running back cuff guys, I don't think he's in my top four or five. Oh, yeah. interesting. I think, I think definitely think he's on the radar. But the the lack of appeal with him is that he has stone zero standalone value, like. Guys like Alexander Madison, they'll get some burn. Gus Edwards, he gets some usage every now and again. Even Tony Pollard sees the field. Bonafon, yeah, he's hurt. But in that type of vein, like that's the problem with the with a guy like Bonafan is that he's got no standalone value. Bonafan, Bonafan. So we aren't sure that he would be he would match like that he'd see, I don't know, more than seventy percent of the no, they just picked up Mike there. Davis too. Mm-hmm. Like they just picked up Mike Davis, so that could be a thing if if CMC is to get hurt next week. God, please no. Uh, but like if that was to happen, then you're looking at a situation uh, where they could be splitting with like him and Mike Davis or whatever. Okay, so for forgetting like Jamal Williams and Cream Hunt. Right? No, those are Th- those, those are different. So yeah. who would be would then Madison be your number one get? I think Madison is number one, yeah. and he should be owned more than he is. Whatever. He's owned in like thirty percent of leagues. Yeah, it's like, kind of high kind of high but it should be like it should be honestly like a hundred percent i all the time these ownership percentages are you know they most people aren't listening to the podcast most people aren't consuming the content they're just playing and who goes by the box score and there you go that's just the reality of the situation like that it's it's who produces numbers that's who gets picked up so guys that pop like big weeks that's what happens that's how the ownership projections work it's odd though because madison has popped up occasionally for some for some good work here and there He's had double-digit carries uh, three times so far this year, just under 20% of the snap share. Obviously has Denver this week. And then the here, here I think is the problematic piece is that people are – there's so many injuries and there's so much turnover. I mean, we've talked about all of the players that were dinged up, the tight ends and uh, running backs with Maparita. And San Francisco has like three <laughs> three top players at each position or three, three fantasy-relevant players at each position alone that mm-hmm. are banged up. So with – the Vikings going on by in week 12, it's kind of hard to stash someone that you know, like, 
you probably aren't going to use him this week because Dalvin's on the on the field. Well, you're almost likely never going to use him. Like in an ideal situation, Dalvin Cook doesn't get hurt, and you never use Alexander Madison. But the point of the stash is that you're using it just in case. Like, yeah, but I'd prefer to have him in week thirteen. If I may have to have, like, I may have to wait till week thirteen to stash him because week twelve. He's on by, and I might have to move someone else who's actually playing that week into a position. Like, that's the tricky piece. Yeah, theoretically. just depend- It depends on your own individual roster and, like, how many – because, like, you probably – like, again, you probably don't need that fifth wide receiver on your roster. You definitely don't need, like, backup quarterbacks, backup tight ends, anything. I can't imagine You that. might need backup quarterbacks. <laughs> Only half of the damn starters in the league are playing. Uh, right, but, th- I mean – that still opens up the entire pool of these other backup quarterbacks to use on your fantasy team. Most waiver wires are probably flush with options. Again, obviously it depends on your league and, and the settings and everything like that. But for the most part, I think if something is to happen to your starting quarterback, you can go and find a replacement on the waiver wire. You don't necessarily need to be having, you know, Matt Ryan and uh, Jacoby Brissett or something like that. For what it's worth, week 16, the Vikings will host the Green Bay Packers, and that is obviously a nice matchup. That's a nice matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he's he's my favorite. Who would be number two? Hmm. Um, Gus Edwards, I think, is number two. There's not... We, it's funny. I don't even like count him as a backup, but you're totally right that he is. Yeah, he's backup. Um, he doesn't get a ton of I don't count him as a backup usage. because he feels like the third running back. Yeah. Lamar is the first. Fair point. But yeah, he's he's a guy that I would definitely consider in this um, group because sure. you love the offense. Yeah. You love the rushing equity. He doesn't have as much theoretical feature back upside because Mark Ingram doesn't really have feature back upside uh, because he shares the backfield with a quarterback, as you mentioned, and also doesn't get a lot of passing down work. But he does get a ton of red zone looks. My gosh, he had two red zone looks against New England two weeks ago. He's seeing at least one red zone opportunity per week, which is a lot more than a lot of these backups. We we also know he's good, too. Yeah, last year. (laughs) Gus the bus was a thing. Yeah. Uh, how do you what do you how do you feel about the L.A. backs? Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson. I think we keep trying to convince ourselves that Daryl Henderson is going to be a thing because we don't want Malcolm Brown to be a thing. But I, I feel like a broken record and that I've said this a million times, but I always remember the moment that Malcolm Brown was a, could have gone to Detroit and the Rams match the offer sheet, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. brought him back. And we had this conversation with John Kelly last year. And yes, they did go draft Henderson, but there's obviously amount, a large amount of trust with Brown, regardless of durability or talent or any of that. And so I think you're looking at these two cannibalizing each other if something were to happen to Gurley. I think probably Malcolm Brown would see the goal line opportunities and more of the first uh, early downs work and and Henderson would work as the chain mover. Like a 50-50, 60-40 type split between these two guys. And in an offense that, by the way, is not that inspiring. Yeah. Like, Henderson might have been, if Brown was to have been hurt for longer or whatever, he might have been more appealing in this conversation. But as of now, I agree with you. I don't know. It's, it looks like that even if Todd Gurley was to get hurt, which, like, it's it, one of the more volatile starters in the league with Todd Gurley and the injury, like, is you would theoretically count on something happening there or at least have some some reason to believe that an injury could take place you're probably you're looking at one of the least clear splits and also a really bad offense so terrific Leonard Fournette and Reichwell Armstead have been a talking point mostly because of Fournette's um both his crazy volume and also his obvious durability issues issues of staying on the field altogether period yeah he's got a Got a few question marks. There. But um, Armstead has yet to receive more than eight carries, and that was way back in week four. Mm-hmm. He has a snap share of 11%. He's only 2% owned. I do think that he would have – he's one of these few backs, when we were talking about Madison, that would fall into a quite a large workload if Fournette were to go down just because of the way the offense is put together. No, I, I, I like him a lot. Uh, because of that of that gap of the workload, like you mentioned, theoretically, if Fournette goes down, there's just so much for him to take over in an offense that we're more excited about now, like we said up at the top, than we probably thought we'd be at this point. So Armstead, despite the fact we do, we just don't see much from him, I like him a lot. So in, he would be your number three? Depending on what happens with Tony Pollard, yeah. Because if Pollard is healthy, then he'd be he'd actually probably be two over Gus Edwards. I think Zeke Elliott was coming back from that holdout, seeing double digit carries in the first like month or so of the season. First three weeks, I think, of the season, he had like 13 carries in two of his first three games. And then obviously, as Zeke shook off that rust, I bet you love that saying, shook off rust. Shook off the rust, baby. He was used. That's why you, you, that's the best way to get rid of rust is to shake it off. 
leave your bike outside too long. Just pick it up and shake it. See how that goes. So we talked about backup running backs. Do you want to talk about this glut of wide receiver threes every week? We're like, yeah, he's like a flexor wide receiver three, a high floor, lots of upside with this guy, potential ceiling play. I feel like these words and phrases are thrown around easily, but we never really quantify them. Yes. So let's let's go do it. I, th- I thought we could maybe look at the rankings, the Yahoo rankings, and pick a few guys that are consistent standouts or consistently placed in the top, you know, like, let's say 50 to 35. Mm -hmm. Does that work? It works for me. Yeah. And credit to you and Brett. This is like a segment is your idea. And I actually think it's a good call because we do throw these terms around. But these are the players that if you're answering like start sit questions on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever, you're getting a lot of these chuckleheads in the in the answers. Like, do I play? Randall Cobb or, you know, Marquise Brown or whatever. Do I play this guy or that guy? I mean, Brown's higher this week because he has a good matchup. Well, why don't you pick the first one? Why don't you pick the one that is most appealing to you? I kind of think Randall Cobb is appealing this week. After a big game last week, 100 yards and a touchdown, we know that. And he looks good. And uh, this is another thing Chris Harris and I talked about on his podcast was, like, Randall Cobb looks pretty good this year from, like, an individual standpoint. And I think a lot of that is just, you know, think about when he was having those struggles in Green Bay when he even when he was healthy, it was because he was asked to be like the one or two option in Dallas. He's like the fourth or fifth, and I think that makes a, that just makes him all the more efficient, even if the volume is not going to be coming his way a ton. But I like this matchup against Detroit, who we know has been really bad on the back end. I mean, they just gave up a damn one hundred thirty one passer rating to Mitchell Trubisky. So like, yeah, I, yeah but Justin Coleman's real good in the slot, and that's I, probably I, he's where been Cobb fine, but he's be. not. He's been fine, but he hasn't been like a guy that's just a shutdown player or whatever. I, I wouldn't. I'd prioritize Coleman over Cobb in terms of performance throughout the season. Fair. I think that's fair. I think Gallup is probably of these oh, yeah. Dallas receivers, the one in the biggest smash spot. For sure. But Cobb did catch six balls in back-to-back weeks. And so this is what we're talking about. Like, this right. is the floor you have yeah. to. All right. So you're going to have an underneath guy who actually has red zone potential. Yeah. Which is more than a lot uh, than a lot of these other like dink and dunk slot receivers can say. Yeah, Gallup is like wide receiver 16 too. So it's like there's a huge gap in the rankings right. between them. And there might not be necessarily in the actual range of outcomes. What about you? Who stands out to you, Liz? Sammy Watkins is someone I kind of want to talk about. Well, this is why. Like, (laughs) it's not fun to talk about him. Anytime I see a Sammy Watkins question, I debate scrolling past it. Depends how nice the person asking it is and how many emojis they've added to the question. Um, But there's been massive opportunity here for Sammy. Mm -hmm. Attached to an explosive offense that we all talk about wanting a piece of. Patrick Mahomes is back under center. The tide, he is the tide that lifts almost all boats, apparently. Except for Watkins. Except for Watkins. <laughs> I do think, though, I, I mean, the, the, when I, if we are going to preach opportunity, opportunity, volume, volume, and he's running over, you know, 35 routes a week, and he's seeing somewhere between 8 and 10 targets a game, I think you have to throw him into this wide receiver three mix. I think he is a top 30 play. And let's talk about this too. Why I think this actually is a good uh, a good suggestion. They play the Chargers. We know that it's the Mexico City top game. Top forty play, by the way, not top thirty. It's the Mexico City game. Uh, prior to Monday night, the Chargers led the NFL with eighty five missed tackles given up. And I think the one thing that Watkins still does pretty well is run in open space, break tackles, make people miss in the open field. It's a great nug. I think that could uh, the Cardinals have overtaken the number one spot, by the way, 89 missed tackles, which is uh, emblematic of their general terribleness. But, yeah, I think I think this is actually a pretty good Watkins this week. Maybe a sneaky call. Um, they play on Monday night. So, yeah, yeah that's sick. one more day for him to get healthy or get. Hurt. And he always <laughs> needs that. Yeah, right. I mean, shit, it might be slipping on a uh, McDonald's bag or whatever happened to Brandon Marshall all those years ago or, you know, whatever. But, hey, that's a TBT, baby. Let's talk about two receivers in New York with the Jets because the Giants are on by. Right. The, the true number one. The true number the one. true number one. Your guy, Demarius. My Thomas, guy, Demarius. The Thomas. new possession receiver or Jamison Crowder, who, like it or not, is having all of the targets funneled through his being. No one likes it. Um, no, I think somebody does. I think that person is Adam Gase. Hey, Crowder in a revenge game this week, too. Yeah. 
Again, I mean, I mean, there is some sort of method here. Hell yeah. Listen, no, but I actually like Demarius Thomas, though. Actually, both. I mean, think both of these guys are interesting this week, because if you look at Washington, they give up the highest completion percentage in the NFL, 73 percent. Thomas is going to face off with a lot of these outside cornerbacks who are also pretty terrible. Like they are, they're the beautiful type of defense that blows coverages downfield and gives up plenty of underneath um, passing. It's just how much do you want to trust the jets? Like, and that they won't just run the ball. Cause that's an opportunity. I mean, I no, feel they like they can't this, really do that. <laughs> this game. Well, that's not true. Can, can they run the ball? I mean, Le'Veon did can, score last week. Right, like, averaged like three yards a carry. Against Washington. 18 I, for 34 against the great. Against the Giants, I understand. I think the, also, this game is going to last like seven hours. Really? This you don't think Jets and Washington, Jets and Redskins isn't going to be like too super slow? Like, oh. No way. No way. Washington's MO right now is they're running out the clock on the season. Nobody's finishing games faster than Washington right Disagree. now. They're 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 literally running the clock out on the season. They have finished their games faster than anyone else since Bill Callahan took over cuz they're all they're doing is establishing the run. Maybe they look, maybe they unveil some great up-tempo short passing offense coming off the bye. This is a very Dwayne slow Haskins. game. That's what I'm saying, but like a slow-paced game sure. to the point that if they're both running the ball a lot, that game's going to be over so fast. No stoppages, baby. Stay inbounds. Run the Can ball. Can we talk about Dwayne Haskins for a second, even sure. though this is off, because it's attached to Terry McLaurin. Every, I mean, so Adrian Peterson has averaged at least 100-plus total yards since Bill Callahan has taken over, because you're right. All Washington wants to do is establish the run. Um, but there's all of these talks about moving Terry all over the field and Dwayne Haskins is the starter and he's had uh, coming off by. So he's had an extra week with the playbook, blah, 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 blah. And yet I'm seeing all this like, well, you don't want to trust. You don't want to trust McLaurin with Haskins under center. And I'm like, well, isn't wasn't that the, that's that was the, the thing. reverse that was of the narrative? The is, like, <laughs> that was supposed to be the Aren't appeal. they homies? Like, what the hell? <laughs> well, they, I mean, guys, things haven't gone so well. Maybe Terry's like, man, I'm busting my ass out here, Dwayne. And everyone says, you're not trying. So maybe he's right. pissed. Terry, I actually think he's the perfect example, even though he's ranked as the consensus 22. He should be much lower than that theoretically but he does i think offers you that appeal as that wide receiver three boom bust play because there's a great chance that he could boom in this game against the jets and their cornerbacks who are all miserable uh they finally put tremaine johnson on ir and just like that's enough of this this has never been working anyways so i look at terry mclaurin as a guy that yeah he could definitely give you another four for 39 game um, which i believe he's given you back to back the last two games he's played but there's also a chance you could see another one of his, you know, 90 and one touchdown type lines, too. And I would I would chance that's the volatility I think you're willing to accept from a wide receiver three. If you are looking for that upside. But if you want the safe floor that Jamison Crowder offers you, if if I asked you how many over under five red zone targets over the past two weeks for Jamison Crowder, would you go over or under? Well, now I feel like it's a trick question. So I'm going to say over. Yeah, it's six. He's, I mean, he scored in back-to-back weeks. That's fluky. Now I'm all thinking about regressing to the mean. But it is ridiculous to me that <laughs> this is what this is what people this is what the real people out there do. <laughs> is, is they get in their heads about these wide receiver threes and like then then they come ask us and we're like I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I do think that Jamison Crowder, not just because of the last two weeks, but because of what we know Adam Gase likes to do, what we saw him do with Jarvis Landry in Miami, is part of the reason that I think so when you take like let's take like McLaurin this week is obviously in a in a better matchup and it's it's a little bit different but I do think you could take let's say McLaurin in like a versus Buffalo just hypothetically hypothetical world and Jamison Crowder versus give me and the Giants okay which are you taking because one is obviously a floor play one is obviously a ceiling play. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I'm interested in McLaurin is because the matchup is right. So in this scenario against Buffalo, where the secondary's generally been pretty good, I would yes. I would side with the boring floor play and hate my life. And because of the volume opportunity. Volume well. and, I mean, against the Giants in this hypothetical scenario, yes. So I, mean. I think I just wanted to point that out because I think that that kind of has to be the tiebreaker. When I am looking at my, my rosters, I think that's the tiebreaker for me. It's not always talent. It's not always oh, matchup. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a combination. Hey, how about um, you want to give some more names that I that we like this week? Sure. How about Hunter Renfro? I think. Well, I I kind of wanted to save him because I had an idea for a down the stretch segment, but okay. Hunter Renfro has been coming on. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think there's going to be 
you know, I think we were expecting or hoping Josh Jacobs to have more of a role in this passing game, and it hasn't happened. And as a result, though, Hunter Renfro has been seeing a solid amount of targets. Um, and he, too, has scored in two of his last three games, running a good amount of routes. We know that Derek Carr likes to check down. This matches a skill set. We saw their rapport on hard knocks as well. I'm surprised it, frankly, took this long. I, was, I thought it happened much earlier in the season. Yeah, and their um, slot situation's rough. Well, they're also a defense that give up that gives up a ton of yards through the air too. So there's Can't a constant a need to be playing. <laughs> well, there's a constant need to be playing catch up. So that obviously makes him more valuable. Got some rough looking linebackers on this team too. It's a bad. It breaking news. Bengals defense. It's actually bad. Tyrell Williams has like not scored a lot lately. That used it's, to be his thing. Yeah, that was the reason he was uh, you so have enjoyable. To imagine though, against the Bengals, like there is no better. We saw it with Mark Andrews, different positions, sir. Sure, also Waller. I mean, like there's no better get right team, take your medicine team. If you're Therese Taylor, <laughs> he likes to say it's a medicine game than the Bengals for any of these squads. So. I mean, to that end, like you're looking at the Raiders, you're like, well, Tyrell hasn't scored since what, like week three? Yeah. I, I want to say. And Renfro. Uh, well, he scored against the Texans, which was like week eight or something. Tyrell Williams hasn't scored since week eight, but before that, he was on a crazy tear scoring in every game he was a part of back to back weeks, just three catches. But that's the thing, right? Like he'd only caught three balls for five straight weeks, except for three of those, he managed to find the end zone. So now it seems like. Hunter Renfro is getting more of that love in the red area of the field. Darren Waller hasn't scored in a minute, but the Bengals seem to be a, a get-rate squad for anybody. Yeah, they're rolling B.W. Webb out there for a lot of snaps. Have been since week one. Yeah, so like, don't don't kid yourself. That's a good. That's a good one. I think Auden Tate might have a good game too. If you're looking for those other that's true red zone opportunities here on the other side of the Ryan ball facing Finley. the Raiders. <laughs> got to count on the great Ryan Finley. How did how did Ryan Finley look to you in his first start? I did not watch that game. Nice. It was. It was. I mean, I, I I watched Lamar, and then I was like, "Who cares? Yeah, who cares?" We're on moving the other on. Side of the... How did Joe Mixon, by the way, have thirty carries? We talked for about this on and... Sunday. It's still mind boggling to me. Yeah. In a loss, unreal. Oh, I had an idea. We're gonna play a little word association with each game in a rapid fire kind of way, Matt. I'm gonna say the matchup, and then. You say something, I'll say something. You say the next one, so then I'll go first, and we'll go back and forth. Does that make sense? Sounds good to me. All right, you read your mind. Let's go. Falcons and Panthers. Fluky defense, de- defensive performance last week, right? I mean, there's no way that that can, that can happen two weeks in a row. There's no, like, Falcons are coming off a bye. Now they've fixed their defense type situation. We're Dan Quinn the, did hand the playbook off. We are going to see the Panthers roll here, though, right? Like, I mean, we, we want to start all our Panthers. And you want to start Brian Hill, who is a phenomenal DFS value. That is my takeaway. Cowboys at Lions. <laughs> really many thoughts about this <laughs> game. Sorry, uh, you got to use the Lions player. Right, Sorry about go. your luck. Ty Johnson is practicing. I don't know if he'll play J.D. McKissick in a, in a week where there are plenty of buys and at a really scarce position. If you're in a deep team league that's PPR friendly, maybe J.D. McKissick gives you a little bit of burn. I don't love it, but I might have to like it. Yeah, and um, I'm really excited about all of these Cowboys pass catchers for the reasons that we talked about earlier. Jaguars at Colts. I mean, Nick Foles is the headliner, right? Like, I want to see how he looks. Um, Love that the Colts are giving up the sixth highest completion percentage in the NFL, and they've been eroding from a pass game standpoint. So I'm excited about kind of all of these Jaguars receivers. Theoretically, they don't give up a ton of passing production to outside wideouts the Colts they've always kind of been that way they've funneled things to the middle of the field so then you got to ask yourself is this the Seth DeValve game is this the Josh Oliver coming out party I will definitely bring a bottle of wine and we will find out it's interesting because I'm interested in the tight ends for the Colts yeah we've seen Jack the dad find the end zone inexplicably a couple of times he can possibly do it again but only like three catches some would say he fell into that End zone. Well, no, he ran. He scampered after the catch I two know, weeks ago. I know. Is it only running backs that fall into the end zone? Like when we're no, talking, I think Jack Doyle and Jason Witten can fall into the end zone. Oh my god, yeah, Jason. <laughs> I Witten. think both of those guys can. But I do think it, this might be the opportunity. Everyone's off of Eric Ebron because it's been Doyle who's been hot in the red area of the field. But Eric Ebron had a ton of targets last week, so I think maybe this is a regression to the mean moment, and I want to see how that. Um, is distributed. So that's what I'm keeping an eye on. But I do have Ebron ranked higher than Doyle because of perceived volume. Nice. Bills at Dolphins. Ah! 
<laughs> I mean, I think Josh <laughs> Allen is a phenomenal <laughs> DFS start. I love Josh Allen as a top 10 quarterback this week. Dolphins defense kind of getting better, though. I mean, kind like ever so slightly. Yeah, but I still think that Josh Allen and his rushing ability against this run defense is pretty solid. He hasn't thrown a pick in like four straight games well, either. Well, thank you for jinxing my pick now. I mean, he's kind of due for a pick, don't you think? Stop. What are you doing? I, I use the damn Dolphins defense in a DFS lineup. I saw that. Which is... Deep breath. Quite a thing to do. Way to go. I mean, I wanted to pay, you know, you want to pay up for some studs. This was the logic with... <laughs> Because it made me sound like an asshole, but this is the logic that I used with the Ravens last week. They're 13 bucks. I can pay up with more studs. Dolphins are 11 bucks. I can pay up to more studs. Everybody used the Ravens last week, Matt. Yeah, and, and also they're the Ravens. <laughs> they're not the Dolphins. That's why I said it was going to make me sound like an asshole. Texans at Ravens. Speaking of the Ravens, this is it. Like, this, yeah, is, this the is the game of the week. Yeah. So I'm writing in my preview column. Oh, great. One um, about. This matchup and, you know, if you rewind the clock and this is the fun part about these mythical like every week horse races of of awards or whatever, like Deshaun Watson was clear like number two to uh, Russell Wilson in the MVP standing last time he took up another MVP candidate was in Kansas City. Big win over Patrick Mahomes, scored three total touchdowns, completed over 70 percent of his passes. Does he have a similar performance in him here? Uh, in a real tough spot going into Baltimore. And I think the key to this game is in the two secondaries because they've both been like, tr- they've both transformed from where they started the year. Mm-hmm. Baltimore, in opposite, in opposite directions. Baltimore traded for Marcus Peters, who's filled in seamlessly and has become like the perfect aggressive gambler to a team that has a really good offense. But then you got the, Ra- uh, the, the Texans on the other side of the field trading for Gary and Conley. And then they pick up Vernon Hargraves this week. And Oof. Vernon Hargraves, talk about getting let let the door hit you oh. on the way out. Bruce Arians said that is a bus throw, definition bus throw. Yeah, he, Bruce Arians, when asked if it was a tough decision to let go of Vernon Hargraves, who is young and was a former first round pick, he said not hard. So, whoops, whoops. Um, I would downgrade Carlos Hyde in this matchup because the Ravens' run defense has been much better. What are you going to do with Will Fuller if he comes back? Player and we're not playing. Oh, you're mentioning the secondary in Baltimore. I think, you know, it's interesting. I imagine probably, I mean, Marcus Peters will go all over. I don't think there's going to be any shadowing in this one. But I do think between Will Fuller's ability, between his speed and Marcus Peters' want proclivity towards improvisation, I think that there's a situation in which Will Fuller gets loose. And if I'm trying to throw a dart towards the ceiling, I'm going to throw it at Will Fuller. And he does fall into that high upside wide receiver three category. Love it. Broncos at Vikings. Ugh, I mean, what is there to say here? (laughs) I don't like, you know who to play. Play Stefan Diggs, play Kirk Cousins, play Dalvin Cook. You can play Kyle Rudolph and Noah Fant because you need tight ends. And like, that's really about it. I mean, I think think there's probably going to be a lot of Philip Lindsay owners who have questions here. I do think you probably leave Royce Freeman on the bench here, although Royce Freeman has been getting most of the work in the passing game. So that limits Lindsay's usability, obviously. But I think um, that I still think Lindsay's so dang good, and the matchup is very tough. We saw what they did to Zeke last week, but I think probably I roll Lindsay out as a RB3 if I have to. Jets at Washington. I love this game. You do love this. Is this? I is, love this game. There's so much, despite being a bad matchup, there's so much fantasy potential in this one. Production is going to come from somewhere. Points are going to come from somewhere. Did, did they have Mind to? the crap. But couldn't you see this easily being like 10 to 7? These are the two of the worst offenses in the NFL. There's a scenario for sure where, you know, guys on New York go off. I think Sam Darnold is worth it because you don't have to, like in DFS, he's only $22 or something like that. One of the cheapest starters available unless you want to play Mitchell Trubisky at 21, but you don't want to play Mitchell Trubisky at 21. (laughs) Sam Darnold could have a good game against his defense, and you're really not asking him to do too much, but I don't see anybody having a great ceiling in this spot. Guess the uh, projected point total. Oh, isn't it like 38? 37.5 37.5 or 38.5 it's moved a point that's that's gross i still i still think it's it's gonna be fun do you expect to see darius guys oh that is a good question we should talk about that i have a thought about darius guys i'm glad you brought it up so there's a lot i i have been getting in my dms questions about darius guys because of peterson's age and 
you know, the, the draft capital used to acquire guys. Here's my personal take. Why would you risk this guy getting healthy? You know the season is lost. You know that he is a potential future piece for a team, well, under Dan Snyder, that's never going to materialize, but at <laughs> least in your in your wildest dreams might. Yeah. So why let him get a couple of reps? Let him Let him get out there and just feel himself a little bit. But if he's not going to see more than seven carries ever, let Peterson break all the damn records, continue to establish the run, use him up and just evaluate what you have and let him feel like he's part of the squad, get some reps under his belt with guys. That's kind of how I feel about this too. I don't I don't see like guys coming back to a big workload. Also if he does, he's coming back to a big workload on Washington's offense, which as we're saying it's washed. Sucks. It is washed. It's Washington is washed, yes. Um I I I'm rooting for Darius Geis, but at this point he's become like more fan fiction than anything else. Saints at Buccaneers. Oh, there's some stuff here. We haven't talked about this one. A lot of stuff here. I mean, this game should be fun. No Marshawn Lattimore, most likely, for the Saints. Big deal for Jameis Winston, who had one of his classic... I mean, Jameis Winston is QB8 on the year in fantasy. It's not... No risk it, no biscuit. I mean, it's it's all biscuit or nothing, or you're going starving, because like it's not been a situation where we're seeing steady production week to week. It's been big games or flop games. Intermittent fasting. That's what the millennials call skipping breakfast. Yeah, right. Does this account as intermittent fasting if you have a green juice or a green smoothie? Yes, because there's roughage. Also, intermittent staff, like I did that two years ago. It, it didn't work for me. All right, hipster. It's All right, hipster. Look at that. No, just like. I don't think it's a real, I don't think it's a good idea. How did this way. get popular now? It, is it, did Oprah talk about it? Like, I don't understand how this is popular. Is Oprah now. still the taste? Is she, she I don't know. For, who, for the people who are intermittent <laughs> fasting, are you. Are you listening to Oprah's podcast? Does Oprah have it. a podcast? Oprah's got to have a podcast. She does. It's right? called Super Soul. I don't know. I was going to, I don't want to, huh. I don't know what it's called. I, it's not on my list, but I heard about it because Brian Crusoe, an old producer who not, he's not old, but a producer <laughs> who no longer works here, but did at the time, told me about it at the Super Bowl two years ago. And yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to try that when I get home. I did for not, a month and lost a pound. It wasn't not, it's not good. It's not a good thing. Don't do it out there if you're, um, if you're, you're trying to lose some weight. Anyway, anyway back to biscuits. Back to Oprah. It's called Oprah Super Soul Conversations. Nailed it. Lady Gaga was some... on recently. If you know, I mean, I know Oprah, the, the Venn diagram of Lady Gaga fans and fantasy football fans is pretty big. So just I, I, providing. I, I, she was trending some... recently because she forgot a whole part of her origin story. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like she, she was like, I forget glamour party or something or other. She's got some bangers. Yeah. It's all about shallow for me. Shallow? Yeah, from Star is Born. Oh, go on with your fantasy football. Well, I'll tell you what. Michael Thomas is on the edge of glory for sure. Wow. And against this awful secondary, he should be the wide receiver one on the week. Makes sense to me. I like all the Saints in this one. I like Kamara to bounce back. I like Cook to get going. I like Drew Brees to bounce back. Yeah. Hell yeah. I like Traquan Smith in this one. I know, don't, don't but put, don't push it. Listen, 83 don't, snaps. Don't get greedy. 83% of the snaps in week 10, and he was the offense's main slot receiver for uh, in his first game since week five. That's a solid matchup. I mean, these are all good matchups against Tampa yeah. Bay, but I think we know he has a big playability. We've seen him flash it. Maybe Ted Ginn has more familiarity with Drew Brees. That, that didn't work out too well last week. So I, I think. Traquan Smith is the big swing here. He may find his way onto the fantasy damage list. There we I'm go. not sure, though. Um, Cardinals at 49ers. Oh, this is the, the Kenyon-Drake rematch. Kenyon this is, We Drake didn't talk about—we talked about the receivers and, and the 49ers. We didn't really talk about the Cardinals in this one. Um, David Johnson, as you very astutely pointed out on Sunday night, does not look like his former self. Oh, no. Have you seen the video going around on Twitter? I didn't want to mention it because I think it's kind of mean. It is a little mean, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think that you can make someone a hero and then... It's like you always say, Matt, you ain't never not had a bad back. Isn't that what you always say? How does it go? Ain't nobody used <laughs> to have a bad back. <laughs> Damn it. Anyway, I think he probably has a bad back. <laughs> By the way, uh, my therapist has a bad back right now, and I told her, ain't nobody Your used brain to brain therapist. Yes, my brain therapist, okay. not my back therapist. I don't have a back therapist because I didn't used to have a bad back. Um, uh, she says, she comes to me, my back's been bothering this week. I said, well, you know what they say? Ain't nobody used to have a bad back. She goes, what? She goes, 
Sorry. Keep it moving. Let's talk about my personal problems instead. It's a bit. It's all a bit. Anyway, um, yeah, so David Johnson's washed, and Kenyon Drake went off against these 49ers two weeks ago, had a wildly improbable outing, but it did, and so now everyone's expecting a repeat. I don't know ah, if that's no. a fair expectation. I, I don't, don't think, think it is. Should. Also, yeah. I think the 49ers, especially coming off of a very close division loss that they lost because of a rookie kicker, frankly, um, are going to be a little ticked, especially in this another division game. I would hesitate to use too much of what happened last game to project a lot of rushing optimism for the Cardinals because you mean not Monday night, but the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, the pre their previous matchup, their previous the Thursday matchup. night. Yes, game. because short week in your own building for Arizona is a lot different than you know a four twenty four oh five p.m. Uh, Eastern time start in San Francisco after they're coming off a loss. I think there's a chance that the 49ers could really impose their will here um, and make the matchup look more like what people thought it would for Arizona last time. But at the same time, I will say there is no player making football more enjoyable to watch right now this side of Lamar Jackson than Kyler Murray. That guy's been amazing the last two weeks. I'm super excited about the car. I'm more excited about the Cardinals right now than I thought I would be to start the season because it's like you thought, you know, oh, you know, the Cardinals would be fun but kind of a gross offense but like Murray's been legitimately awesome the last two weeks I think when you actually just sit down and watch him play um so I kind of don't want to bet against him right now um if I had to start him at in fantasy I would think about playing a guy like Derek Carr or one of those type of streamers over him but like if you have Kyle Allen as a streaming option or something like that I think I might chance Murray over him because I just believe in the way he's playing so much right now I know earlier we mentioned that Matt Burrito was banged up. There's a lot of Mostert talk. Oh, yeah. The streets are talking about the mustard, man. And Coleman looked a little stiff coming up um, at some point on Monday night. You know, he's obviously also had durability concerned. My issue with Mostert, though, is that everyone – I don't think that there's a lock into volume – with Mostert the same way you have it with Brita. Like, Brita's going to get you double-digit carries, double-digit touches. You know that. I think then, and, and obviously, you should, having check back helps the situation. But, like, how how do I know that Mostert and Coleman aren't going to, like, get the ball near the goal line and either Coleman's going to get it or Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson can, again. Yeah, like, Jeff Wilson comes in. So I think people are overvaluing. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good play, but I also feel like people are overvaluing or need to manage their expectations with him a little bit. I think managing expectations is a great suggestion because I, I think Raheem Mostert, whether he's just the freshest of the bunch, sometimes he looks like their best, more ex most explosive back. I mean, Coleman, obviously, he's been getting workhorse-type touches of late. Um, did not get a touch in overtime, though. Um, Mustard got all that work. So I think that's what's got people really excited. But uh, at the same time, yeah, I don't think you can really count on the workload for sure. Bengals at Raiders play all your Raiders Patriots at Eagles <laughs> are we supposed to be alternating I mean yeah but we broke that rule like three games in uh Super Bowl rematch that we mentioned off the mm -hmm. top I expect the game to look quite a bit different uh because these two uh, especially the Patriots defense much better I don't think the Eagles will be scoring 50 plus points in this one um I want to see is there any improvement to the passing offense? Because we talked about going into the bye, how the Eagles kind of need to sort of reinvent themselves. They're running the ball extremely well. And I think the Patriots, when you look at them from a defense perspective, obviously everyone knows, everyone knows that their pass defense is great. They're number two in DVOA right now, but they're 14th against the run. I think if the Eagles want to, number one, win this game at home, but number two, want to move the ball and your best fantasy bets are both guys in the backfield. You know, we're talking, you, you mentioned like Kareem Hunt, Jamal Williams. Those guys are not like. I think you're going to take my point. I think we have the same one. Handcuffs. So I think both of these guys are, are like, they're both playable week to week. Oh, I think this is a Miles Sanders game. I think this Pretty is. Fair. The week that we have been talking about since August, the point at which Sanders' role becomes much more clearly defined and potentially overtakes Jordan Howard's. Jordan Howard is still much more game flow dependent, and I do expect that uh, the Eagles will be playing from behind. Sanders has incredibly efficient. He's been incredibly efficient through the air. He has converted 100% of his looks for four straight games. We know that he is more featured in the passing game, and I think this is going to be 
his his coming out opportunity when people talk about like oh Miles Sanders it game his star turn I think it's this week maybe I've just become too much on the hope is poisoned uh method on this particular situation i just don't believe that's actually ever going to happen this year i think we'll, we'll continue to see a 1a 1b situation with these two but i could be wrong about that and the, my big question with the patriots is is their offense their passing offense are they good enough to take advantage of what was once a juicy matchup but they're getting healthy there in yeah, philadelphia back, so. i think their starters are still a little problematic but they're not like cfl guys toast. back yeah they're not just literal burnt pieces of toast back there We'll see. I think also Muhammad Sanu, a lot of people are talking about. I don't like to mess with that because I, I think he's a better real-life player than fantasy mm, player. I'm going to mess with it. I'm sorry. You're going to do it? I'm going to do it, yeah. Because out of necessity or because you want to do it? Uh, in daily fantasy, I'm going to do oh, okay. it. okay. Because the price is right. Yes. The so price is right. Point. The volume was there last week. Or last night. Last time they played, the volume was there. So, yeah, I'm going to do it. Bears at Rams. Liz, you're going to be at this game. I am. How excited are you? <laughs> I'm actually excited. I, I am excited. I mean, it's going to be, I think you've got to be much more excited to actually be going because at least it'll be something as opposed to like watching these two teams on television. Well, I'm watching a mistake versus a fraud. Yeah. Oh, man. Banged in a big spot. Trubisky. Yeah. I mean, what can you say? I think he gets rocked in this game. Yeah. I think so. I think he gets rocked in this game. And then on the other side of the field, I think. <sighs> The Bears' defense hasn't been elite, elite, but they could really get going against this offensive line. I mean, there's nothing. But the Rams are at home, and Jared Goff is markedly better at yeah. home than on the road. And the, the the onus on this whole offense is their ability to get the run moving. And they could do that against the Bears, who still, without Akeem Hicks, have been vulnerable against the run. Can Todd Gurley do it? I don't know. <laughs> I think that that's the problem with Todd Gurley is that there's just no predict like there's no predictability. There's no predicting his usage. There's no like patterns to take. I think he can still play, but he's now like if this was this version of Todd Gurley slapped into the 20, which I don't even know if that this 2018 2017 version of the Rams offense can even exist with this version of Todd Gurley. But let's just say in a hypothetical situation, all those conditions are equal. I think this version of Todd Gurley could be like a, a solid RB2 in fantasy just on how he looks. But like he, in this situation, combined with everything else, it's it's he's an impossible player to trust. Well, I think, I think defenses saw what the Patriots did to Jared Goff in the Super Bowl, and they saw him wilt under pressure. Um, he couldn't handle it when the moment was the biggest. Not a big surprise there. And so now they've copied that scheme and he just can't get beyond it, right? Like he's just, you don't know how to beat him. Yeah. And I mean, then if huge. he's, they're stacking boxes every week to stop the run, the O-line's a mess. So he feels already nervous and won't plant his feet. I do think though that like Cooper Cup's got to see a solid, like that's going to reverse yeah. itself. Yep, this week. I agree. Uh, I mean, it's it sucks about the Rams. They were fun to watch, but. They're like one of the teams I could skip over every week watching and not feel bad about it because they're just like it's one thing to make excuses for the quarterback, like, but they're not the only team in the NFL playing with a bad offensive line, you know. Yeah. He was a number one overall pick. You can't I mean, this is this is also the Baker Mayfield argument. Like you had a bad O line last year too. Yeah. The Rams O line is worse this year than it was last year. But I think if you are going to be a franchise quarterback who's getting that big money and you're, you know, a top five draft pick, then you don't that doesn't get to be your excuse. This isn't Gardner Minshew, right? Like this isn't a later round pick or a backup guy who's still money. This isn't even Nick Foles. Like we're talking about Nick Foles is an ecosystem dependent player. It's just tough when, you know, because things don't stay perfect forever. Like think about Case Keenum in in Minnesota, right? He didn't have any pressure. He looks he looked freaking great, right? He had no pressure back then. Of course he looked great. And then he gets a giant deal to go to Denver and we see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. So do you know Anthony Costanzo is a free agent next year? Didn't know that. Yeah. I want to see where he lands. I'm interested in that move. Anyway, going on. Uh, the big Monday night game at Estadio Azteca, Chiefs at Chargers. I want to see if the Chargers can establish the run again because they really worked hard to do it the last few weeks. I think that could be a real foil in a game that has the highest implied to- or highest total projected on the board right now. If the Chargers are really able to come out and can, tr- can control the clock with Melvin Gordon, who looks better and better coming off that holdout after looking real rough to start, 
that could play a foil to what is, like I said, the highest projected total on the slate. So I'm, and we know the Chiefs can be run on. I mean, Derrick Henry ran over them with authority last mm-hmm. week. I think Melvin Gordon could do the same. I think you're going to see a lot of Melvin Gordon in the first half and a lot of Austin Eckler in the second half. Because you think the Chiefs will I think get that lead. The Chargers are going to try to play keep away at the top of the game if they can. Keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' arms He's gonna or hands. He's going to do some crazy mid-air jump, left-handed, on-the-move throw. Probably to Sammy Watkins, just to spite you. It'll be... <laughs> hey, hey, I gave you a reason it could work out, all right? It'll be amazing. I mean, Tyreek Hill, isn't, he isn't going to always produce 100-plus yards. Like, he could, but he probably isn't. And so that's also part of the reason that Watkins becomes interesting regardless. Then, come halftime, they're going to have to adjust. And also, Mike Williams was seeing a ton of targets, but since Wizenhunt was fired, his uh, volume has dwindled considerably, that's and it's been much more of a run-focused squad. So I think Austin Eckler then, we know his usage in the passing game, is going to see a lot more burn in quarters three and four. They're, it's just with the Chargers right now, they just have such a thin margin of error. Like, in order to control that script, like I said, that's totally possible. But then if they get into the situation where you're projecting quickly, they could be dead in the water because Frank Clark and Chris Jones are healthy now, and they're a much better pass defense. And we saw what happened on a, against a really bad pass rush from the Raiders on Thursday night completely throttled the Chargers. So there's a chance that the Chargers could control this game. But like I said, the margin for error is so thin, and the other scenario is such a disaster. Well, that's going to do it for us. I will not be here on Sunday night, as Matt mentioned, but Matt, We'll be back on Sunday night with our Week 11 recap. I'll be at the uh, matchup of the century, Goff versus Trubisky on Sunday night. Follow us on Twitter, at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Lizzo's underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And we are at Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented... They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.